Slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman. Blocked by Polak and Rice. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson. Marcel with the open net and he scores. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad you could join us. Wish it was under better circumstances for the New York Islanders. A tough, frustrating one nothing loss in Game 7 against the Tampa Bay Lightning, ending the Islanders' long playoff run. They fall one game short of reaching the Stanley Cup Final for the first time in 37 years. And uh, the bad news is now we have to start all over again next year. We will explain what happened in this series and in Game 7, break it all down, and we will begin our look at the offseason for the New York Islanders in what will be an interesting and pivotal one that includes number of restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents, an expansion draft, and of course, the NHL Entry Draft, and we will be here with you throughout the offseason here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. You need more hockey news, and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps every day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get podcasts. Islanders fall one to nothing and uh, lose the series to the defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning in seven games. We will break it all down for you in just a moment, but first, if there's something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question you'd like to ask, a comment you'd like to make on something we talked about on the show, or a topic that we haven't talked about that you want us to discuss, feel free to email the show, the email address, lockedonislanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest transactions, news, rumors, and everything else concerning the Islanders throughout the offseason. So, you know. I've had a few days to think about it since Friday night when the uh, Islanders playoff run ended. And to be honest with you, uh, it was tough. It was a very tough end to a very good season and very good playoff run. But I think that this one nothing loss and the way that the Islanders fell in Game 7 really encapsulated the Islanders' strengths and weaknesses in one 60-minute package. And, you know, when we talked before Game 7 and really throughout the series about the keys to the game and the keys to victory for the Islanders, 
it really played out exactly the way we thought it would. The Islanders just quite didn't have enough in the tank. And we talked about the importance of team defense and strong goaltending. And the Islanders certainly got that in Game 7. They held Tampa Bay to one goal throughout the game. While they did get outshot by a wide margin in Game 7, the quality chances were not as one-sided. Certainly, the Islanders did not give up a large amount of really high-quality scoring chances. And, as is the Islanders' M.O., Throughout the year, when they did, Simeon Varlamov was there. He came up with a lot of very important and big saves and got the job done. When you look back at Game 7, one player you cannot blame in this game is Simeon Varlamov. But then, you know, you you we also talked about staying out of the penalty box because of how good the Tampa Bay power play is. And the Islanders did a great job of that. And when they did take a, a penalty on those rare occasions, the PK, which has been good all year, came up big, prevented Tampa Bay from scoring with the extra attacker, and, again, did what they needed to do to keep the Islanders in the game. So, defensively, stylistically, the Islanders did what they needed to do. Uh, they kept bodies in between the Lightning uh, players and their goal. They didn't allow for a lot of rebounds, deflections, and the like. They did not retaliate against the physicality of the Tampa Bay Lightning throughout the game in a way that would draw penalties against the Islanders, but they answered the physicality of the Lightning and even dished out physicality to Tampa Bay without taking a lot of penalties. So, you know, when you when you set up the ingredients necessary for a New York Islanders win defensively and in goal and on the PK, the Islanders did everything they needed to do to have a chance to win the hockey game. And you know what? Up until the very last few seconds in this game, the Islanders did have a chance to win this contest and to advance, or at least to force overtime to tie it up in the closing seconds. So from that standpoint, it really was mission accomplished. So obviously the other question that has to be asked, that has to be addressed is why did the Islanders fall short in this game? And why did the Islanders fall short in this series? And I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you look back at Game 7 and you analyze it, the ways that the Islanders fell short are exactly what we expected would happen if they fell. And we're going to break it all down for you and discuss how the Islanders just barely missed a chance at the Stanley Cup Final. All this and more when we return. 
Islanders fans, today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Built Bar. It is simply the best tasting protein bar ever. It comes in nine delicious permanent flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. The last one that they sent us that I tried was grasshopper pie. And I'll tell you, tasty as can be. And look, check out these permanent flavors. Coconut, cherry, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, or my personal favorite, salted caramel. There really is something for everyone. And if you're not sure what your favorite flavor is, you can get a mixed box, which will give you two of each of the nine permanent flavors so you could figure it out for yourself. Most of the bars have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So they don't only taste good, but they're good for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So what went wrong for the New York Islanders in Game 7? And, and really, again... What happened in Game 7 just illustrates the Islanders' shortcomings as a team. Let's just start with offense. Look, the Islanders did not score a goal in Game 7. They were shut out twice in this series, and in seven games against Tampa Bay, they scored 11 goals. That's a little bit more than one and a half goals a game, and that really does make it hard to win a series. Now, in the first two series in the playoffs this year, the Islanders were scoring 3.58 goals per game. That goes down to 1.57. In other words, it's cut in half, more than in half. Folks, throw out the 8 nothing debacle in Game 5. Ignore it. Forget it statistically. You still, even if you take out those eight goals in the series, you cannot win Four games, it's hard to win four games when you score 11 goals in seven contests. It just isn't easy. Kyle Palmieri had seven goals for the Islanders in the first two rounds. Zero goals, zero assists against Tampa Bay in seven games. J.G. Pajot, three goals, ten assists in the first two rounds of the playoffs. And no points again at all against Tampa Bay. Now, after the series was over, Pajot revealed that, yes, he was indeed, as we all suspected, as we all really knew, but it had to be confirmed, he was playing hurt. And he got hurt late in game two of this series. And as a result, you know, he wasn't on his best game for the last five uh, five games of this series. And you know what? It just goes to illustrate the importance of Pajot. And I'm sure the fact that Pajot was not playing at 100% hurt the offensive production of Kyle Palmieri as well, because they're line mates. And, you know, Pajot is sort of the catalyst of that line offensively. And when he couldn't get it done, you know, it really uh, hampered the third line's ability to put points on the board. You also have to give a lot of credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they played, you know, great defense. Vasilevsky is an excellent goalie. 
We certainly know what Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough are capable of doing both defensively and when they get the chance to contribute offensively. Look, the Lightning are the defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. And the fact is that the Islanders gave them absolutely all they could handle in spite of their lack of offense. It tells you about the character, the uh, resilience, and the depth of this hockey team. The other thing that we talked about throughout the playoffs, and again, it was illustrated in Game 7, was special teams. You look at the numbers, and, you know, Tampa Bay, 5 for 17 in the series uh, on the power play, which is almost 30%. Not good if you're the Islanders' penalty killers, but better than, look, Tampa Bay was averaging more than 40% in their first two rounds of the playoffs. The problem was on the other side of special teams for the Islanders. The power play. One for 17 in this series. And Game 7, the only goal, a shorthanded goal by Yanni Gord. And that was it. You know, you could talk about the possibility that Tampa Bay had too many men on the ice. You could talk about it all you want. At the end of the day, you can't give up a shorthanded goal in a one nothing game. That's the only goal of the game. The Islanders' power play struggled to produce offensively, and then in Game 7 gave up the only goal of the game. Positionally, they were out of position on that goal. Three players sort of in the same area, watching the play while Gord skated in and scored. And look, the Islanders did not score on their last 12 power play chances in the series. So they go one for 17 in the series. What if it was just three for 17? Could have been all the difference in the world. And both of these factors, the power play and the lack of overall goal scoring, come back to the Islanders' lack of a true sniper on this roster. Matthew Barzal is a great hockey player. He's still improving and taking his game to another level, but he is not yet at this stage in his NHL career, and he may never be 50 or 60 goal scorer. And yeah, Mike Bossies and Alexander Ovechkins are rare commodities in the National Hockey League. And I don't think the Islanders need a guy who can put 40, 50, 60 goals in the net over the course of a full 82 game season. But one more guy who could put in 30, 35, and then you get Anders Lee back healthy, that makes a big difference to this lineup. And when you think about it, I asked this on Twitter Friday after the game, and I'm going to put it out there to all of you again as well. How many of you think that if Anders Lee was healthy, the Islanders would have beaten the Lightning in this series? I find it hard to believe that Lee couldn't have helped that power play that Lee wouldn't have upped the 11 goals scored in seven games to, let's even say, 14 or 15 over the course of seven games. It would have been enough 
to slightly change the outcome of one or two games, and that's all the Islanders needed to find a way to win the series. The other uh, factor that I'm going to take and mention for the Islanders that was a concern, they fell behind in this series in almost every game. Throughout the series, you know how many goals the Islanders scored in the first period? One. Seven games, seven periods, one goal. They were outscored 6-1 to one in the first period during the series and gave up the first goal five times out of seven games. That means that this team was playing from behind in almost every game. And it is hard to win against a talented, deep team with good team defense and a great goalie when you fall behind early. And it's okay, you know, like in a seven-game series, you fall behind three times. That's a little less than half. Four times, it's a little more than half. It's hard when you're almost always behind. When, you know, 71, 72% of the games, you have to catch up. And you're not a very explosive offensive team to begin with. That really hurts overall. The second period throughout the playoffs was the Islanders' best period. But already, in many cases, the damage had been done. And for the New York Islanders, uh, with their lack of offense, or at least lack of explosive offense, it was tough to overcome those consistent deficits. So, in so many ways, Game 7 was just a microcosm of why the Islanders just fell short. But I will say this, there are a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons for Islander fans to be happy about this playoff run once the pain of the elimination and of coming so close without getting there starts to subside. And I'll tell you, this team is resilient. This team is so well coached. This team sacrifices for each other. They easily, you know, players like Matt Barzal, you you look at his statistics of his career, his most productive offensive season, still his rookie season, and that was the year before Barry Trotz took over as head coach. You put a guy like Matt Barzal on a different team, a team that plays a more wide-open style, He could get 90, 100 points easily in this league, but he gives up those numbers to play into the system and help create team success. And you know what? He is not the only one on this roster doing that. So overall, this team is disciplined. They don't take bad penalties most of the time. They know their roles. They sacrifice for each other, and they have a a great team defense, two outstanding goaltenders, and a number of younger players who should continue to get better. So a lot to be proud of for this team. Look, this is the second straight year the Islanders reached the Final Four in the NHL. Are they among the four most talented teams in this league? Probably not. They're in the top 10 for sure, but they're not top four. 
they maximize their talent the way they play the game and they have a lot to be proud of as a result when we come back we'll talk about our islanders birthday of the day and start to look ahead at the off season what we can expect what some of the major milestones are coming up and some of the things the islanders are going to need to get through in order to be back in 2021-2022. All that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is also brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The baseball season is in full swing and you could track all the action at Bet Online, or maybe you prefer to bet on the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup final, uh You've got the Euro tournament going on in soccer overseas. NFL training camps are right around the corner. And how about all your UFC and MMA action? So you can get all the latest news, odds, and all the info you need at Bet Online. Before the next face-off, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams go on their playoff runs. Head to the website or use their mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. And uh, we're going to go back a little bit in Islanders history uh, and wish a very, very happy 61st birthday to former Islanders goaltender Roly Melanson, Roly the goalie. Uh, Melanson drafted in the third round back in 1979 by the Islanders, joined them during the 80-81 season and actually was a member of the final three Islanders Stanley Cup runs uh, and was a member of the team that made the Stanley Cup final in 1984. Melanson stayed with the Islanders through the 84-85 campaign when he was traded to the Minnesota North Stars, later played for the LA Kings, the New Jersey Devils, and the Montreal Canadiens. He ended his career after the 93-94 season, Played in 291 career NHL games, picked up 12 assists, and won 129 games while losing 106 and uh, tying 33. We're going to look at one of Roly the goalie's better games with the Islanders. February 19th, 1983, during the final run to the Stanley Cup, Islanders hosting the Montreal Canadiens on Long Island at the old barn when it was still not such an old barn. Rick Wamsley, the goalie for Montreal, Roly Melanson obviously in goal for the Isles, and in the first period, the Islanders took advantage of a holding call against Doug Wickenheiser. They cash in on the power play. Mike Bossy, his 41st, Dennis Potvan and Clark Gillies with the assist. Yes, three Hall of Famers combining for that goal. In the second period, the Islanders extended their lead. Bob Bourne is 16th from Dennis Potvan and Roley the goalie. He gets an assist in this game. That happened at 5-12. And then 15 seconds later, Bob Nystrom, his eighth from Butch Goring. After 40 minutes, it was 3-0 in favor of the Islanders. In the third period, the Isles continued to add to their lead. 
Brent Sutter, his 13th from Stefan Pearson and Greg Gilbert at 624. And then his second of the game, Bob Bourne, his 17th, John Tanelli and Mats Halleen with the assist at 903. The Islanders skate away with a 5-0 shutout of the visiting Canadiens. For Roland Melanson, 30 saves to earn the shutout, plus, of course, the assist. Two goals for Bob Bourne in this one, and two helpers for Dennis Potvan. Islanders skate away with a 5-0 win over the Canadiens uh, on the power of a shutout by our Islanders' birthday of the day. Roly Melanson, he turns 61 today, and we wish him all the best and many, many happy more. There is a lot to discuss, and we're just going to touch on it briefly here as we get to the offseason. The first thing is obviously the expansion draft. The Seattle Kraken in July will be adding one player from every organization to their roster. A lot of players rumored the Islanders can protect, you know, a certain number of guys some of the names that have been bandied about, Nick Letty, Kiefer Bellows, maybe Matt Martin. The Islanders would certainly love it if the Kraken would agree to take Andrew Ladd, but, you know, that would be probably have to be arranged via some kind of a trade and some kind of an agreement. So we have to see, but the Islanders are going to lose one player to the Seattle Kraken. Obviously, there are also restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents out there that this team is going to need to sign. The uh, restricted free agents, Anthony Bavillier, Adam Pellick, and Ilya Sorokin are among them. And the key is that each of these players are going to get more money on their new deal. And we know the Islanders are kind of tight against the salary cap and they have to figure out what to do about that. As far as unrestricted free agents, obviously both Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri are UFAs. We have to see what happens with them. Andy Green, also an unrestricted free agent, he has expressed interest in coming back. Whether or not the Islanders choose to sign him again, uh, that remains to be seen. Lou Lamorello has some decisions to make. The biggest UFA on the board potentially right now is the center of the identity line, Casey Sezikis. We will see if the Islanders are able to reach an agreement with Zeke. Obviously, Sezikis, one of those heart and soul guys, a guy who, you know, Sezikis, Martin, and Clutterbuck play better together than they do apart. And the question just becomes whether or not Sezikis is bowled over by an offer elsewhere or whether the Islanders find a way to keep him. We will start discussing all of these issues in depth. We are still here every Monday through Friday as the offseason begins. We will look a little bit ahead to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, game one is tonight, and we will talk about that a little bit tomorrow. But realistically, uh we're going to focus on the Islanders throughout the offseason. We're going to break down and summarize every player on the Islanders, what they contributed to the team. We'll have the latest news, trades, signings, uh, the, the expansion draft, the NHL entry draft. Stay with us throughout the offseason. We will have it all for you here on Locked on Islanders, your source 
for New York Islanders news all year long. So, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. That does it for this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.